0: I heard once, escaping from a phone's cracked screen, the weary voice of the internet. Help, child, I am like a wind, hurled by vengeful Aeolus at the Sind. Could be such a sweet adornment.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Solacine, the podcast where we imagine the ideal future that is beautiful, sustainable, and tactile. This week, we are imagining... The search engine. So what would the best search engine ever look like? Ooh. And then we're also going to talk about trolls, not the movies, but the scum of the earth okay. who troll the internet. Yeah. And finally, we're going to talk about how culture seems to turn over quite quickly these days. And if that's just a figment of our imagination or if that's actually something that's happening and perhaps... How we can slow things down, even if just for ourselves.
0: But first of all, let me talk about the poem that I just introduced the episode with. It had kind of a threefold inspiration. The first of which, I've always liked that, that like comic gag where someone shouts into a vase or a jar and then opens it later and the, the cry comes out. Because I always used to think as a child that that was real. Mm. And it doesn't seem that implausible, you know what I mean? Like, I know it's not real. But when you think about the cans with the strings and you can like make little telephones like that, like it's not that crazy. So that's the first thing. And I was like, if you broke a screen, it's like you just hear a sound of the internet. And the second is a game that we used to play where it was like, make a sound that, um, that demonstrates how you feel inside. Mm. That sounds like something you'd say to like a four year old, but I guess that's just the way we talk to each other. Do you remember what mine usually was?
1: Mm. Yeah, it was to something very like neutral. Yeah. Which is usually how you feel. You're a very stoic person.
0: True. And I was like, it would be funny if you could kind of personify the internet like this and have it make a sound. And the third is the fact that I do actually have a really, really cracked smartphone. And I've always, um, or since that happened, that fateful day, we won't talk about that because Alicia is to blame for uh, for the listeners who want to know. Since that happened, I've always been like, oh, it's kind of, sounds bad, but it's kind of embarrassing to an extent because it's not like a tiny crack. I'm that guy who it's like, it's in smithereens, and sometimes I just get tiny pieces of glass in me fingies. Um, (laughs) But then I was thinking, like, maybe it adds some kind of character depth to me. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, so we're seen, we're kind of somewhat anti-smartphone, or at least anti-like the overuse of it. So it's kind kind of on brand.
1: Do you have a search engine on your phone? No. No, I didn't think you did. Aaron... It's probably one of the few people in the world that chose to delete his Safari <laughs> off his iPhone, which is fun. And yeah. I think it makes you, if you want to look something up, you have to be intentional about it to go to a desktop or a laptop and do so.
0: I'm actually, it's quite funny. You know that like the Apple, um, the apps that come with the phone, I don't think you can delete them. So you have to go into screen time and just like deactivate them. So it's technically uh, still on the phone. It's just a flip of the switch away. But
1: I see. Yeah. Cool. So, my Solacene search engine, I'll start with the aesthetics. Sure. I pictured it as being like the Google Doodle, which changes. So, I think the search engine will change a bit. It doesn't need to be super crazy, but some days maybe it will be a bit over-designed. Some days it'll be a bit more minimal. Just for a little bit of art when you do choose to use the engine.
2: Hmm.
1: Because right now it's been... Pretty much the same since the internet started like it's just a white page with text which is fine and i mean like you don't want people to be like super attracted and stuck on those screens but i don't think having it look nice would do that like i switched to using opera like five years ago or something and you can really like, customize how it looks and i just find it's like a slightly more pleasant experience if the background of my search is a different color, or just a nice picture, like it just makes you feel a bit calmer. That was my first point. How so do you feel about that?
0: I think it's um it's a key point. Are you talking about customizing, or are you talking about akin to the Google Doodles, it being a kind of mandated thing that the platform itself uh, designs?
1: I pictured it being like mandated. Yeah, I like that. I like how on Windows computers the background changes different images from like all over the world, just like the the home screen kind of changes automatically. So yeah. it's something like that just for, and then it might be a conversation starter. It might just be a nice picture.
0: Speaking aesthetically also, actually I did have an, an idea for the aesthetics of the background, but it's, or the visuals rather, but it's, it's a bit, mine's a whole concept. Okay. So I had a name for mine. Did you have a name of yours? I didn't. Mine is Ribbit. Okay. Or I guess ours is Ribbit. Because mm-hmm. this is a solo scene thing we designed together. So obviously it calls to mind what? Frog. Frog nature outdoors frogs they actually can't be indoors
2: Mm.
0: well i don't know if that's the case but i've never seen one indoors something like that well i have in zoos but not really in (laughs) in a house or something so the cursor is green Mm. and the key the other key thing about ribbit the name is um i don't really like how google it has become part of the the lexicon people Mm -hmm. say that so often it's like i'll google it because it's such a lazy thing so this kind of it tries to deter people from saying that all the time because no one's going to say, rivet it. You know what I mean? But they
1: would say, I'd rivet.
0: But that's not not accurate. I mean, they might kind of bastardize it like that, but that's not... uh, No, I'm I'm not having that. fine. So anyway, it's to try and stop that from creeping in. Mm -hmm. And I actually thought maybe next week we could talk about these subtle or sometimes not so subtle ways that internet language has become... uh, has has leaked into to wider usage.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Like,
0: we're going to be talking about trolling later, and I think that's something that's kind of happened a little bit there as well. So anyway, for Ribbit, I was thinking, I had a few points. Some of them are a bit radical, and I didn't really think it through all the way. But regarding the homepage, I was thinking if it had a real, or the background, or, you know, the visuals, if it had a real kind of, like, place feeling to it, mm-hmm. and my inspiration was, like, Miiverse mm-hmm. on the Wii U, the much maligned Wii U. But I really thought it had a cool kind of homey, ui so it's like you went on it and it's like this is neat and along the lines of maybe maybe even blurring the lines of it being social networky you could see popular searches in your geographic area Mm -hmm. or or friends or other people obviously if you make it if they make it available like sometimes you don't want people to see like oh how to dissolve a body or something like that
1: but maybe that would hold people accountable to not google that
0: went through my head but the thing is I often Google things because I, I like to write. Yeah. So I often like let's say you're writing a thriller and you actually are googling how to dissolve a body because you yeah, need that's to know. True, like, that's so true. sometimes you Google, you look things up, you yeah. research things. For what are these weird bumps
1: on my toes?
0: Exactly. You don't.
1: Yeah, I guess you'd prefer to keep that a little <laughs> more private. Okay. My my number one thing that I thought of was no ads, which is kind of. Yeah. I mean, I say that every single week, but once again, I say it. No ads. Mainly. In this context, because lately when you Google something, the first five to ten results say add. Yeah. So it's like you don't actually know what one thing is the best. For example, I also, I'm working on this project and we use Asana for team management. So I type in Asana and then... The first five results are alternatives to Asana that people yeah. are like marketing as alternatives to that. Anyway, n- no ads in the solo scene. It'll just be what you're looking for. If it's trying to say one specific website, it would be that. And maybe there would just be one result. Like if I typed in Asana, it would, hmm. there'd be one search result and that's, it would be the website. That's not a
0: bad idea. You could maybe, maybe that not be the only option, but maybe you can customize it. So it's like, you can choose how many things appear because I don't think there's a there's a way to change it, so it isn't just three million other you know search results Re- regarding the order of things and how they appear. I was thinking this might be a neat place for for an AI or for some kind of smart system mm-hmm. so obviously we want a search engine to be quite objective, let's say politically or whatever you don't want you don't want it to be skewed in that regard, but it could be skewed towards more thoughtful things or more solar things more ribbity things more beautiful sustainable tactile things so for instance it could prioritize articles with depth articles mm. that let's say were written by humans yeah something like that because i'm guessing in the future a lot of the internet not in the solar scene but there will be a or if there isn't already quite a proliferation of machine generated quote-unquote content mm-hmm. so it's like we could kind of try and filter that out through some kind of algorithm
1: I think that's interesting my next point was exactly that or not exactly that but more filter options right now there's kind of the tabs shopping images news yeah but you could even set that before you search so perhaps you're looking for news or a blog or what have it and then you could also have even break it down further so maybe you're looking for Shopping options, but you want it to be within a certain radius. Or yeah. you only want to see five options, and if it's not there, it's not there. Kind of these more self-imposed limits, and just allowing it to be as specific as possible. Right. I also had... Right now, you can basically type in, like, how cook to me meat. Mm-hmm. And it would just give you, like, exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. But I think in the solo scene, there won't be spell check kind of thing. Something a bit more... If you want to look something up, you have to type in exactly what you want, like a well-phrased oh, wow, question. Yeah. That's
0: a good point. <laughs> actually quite pertinent to this podcast as well because we often we often struggle with actually phrasing questions. Yeah. So like for for this week, we just went, trolls, question mark? <laughs> so it's like maybe, maybe actually requiring people to speak type like they were speaking maybe. Because mm-hmm. you would never say that to people.
1: No. Trolls? You're like, what do you think of trolls? Or or
0: if you go up to, to someone who's like a good barbecue, it's like, how cook pork shoulder roast or something.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you have to phrase the questions as a human. <laughs> and if you wanted to be more specific, you could either have these filter options or like, I know with Google and search engines, you can put things in quotes or yeah. minus things. Yeah. I've been doing a bit of that for one of my jobs. And it's like trying to find search results. I actually came to the end of Google for the first time on like a search. It was very rewarding. I do that
0: all the time. If you search for very, very specific things. Yeah,
1: you know, exactly. exactly. So, but it made me think, perhaps we could do a bit more of this.
0: Also, people listening who maybe are quite savvy with, with browsers might be like, oh, you can do all these things on Google if you just, it's not really intuitive. I think even like the quote quotation marks on Google, it's mm-hmm. not that intuitive because only a few people know it, let alone all the like, and symbols and like, if you put the minus or if you do an underscore here or mm-hmm. a colon there, you know, it's like, so although I do think there are quite a few elements of existing search engines that I think are kind of cool and so seem that I wanted to shout out. So for instance, I really think it's neat that you can highlight a word and find the definition.
2: Yeah, that I think is cool.
0: It's really cool that you can highlight a word and find the translation should you wish. And I know there's some browsers where you can draw on them and like mark them up mm-hmm. and i think that's neat as well making it a bit more of a of a book yeah or something.
1: i always wish that was a thing like i know some browsers have it but yeah. the ones i use don't yeah. and i just wish because when you're reading an article usually i'll read through it and then get out my notebook and go through again and like write the notes mm-hmm. but it would be nice if you could kind of highlight as you go my final thing with the Solaceen scene browser is that it would be solar powered therefore perhaps dependent on weather and also time of day like maybe the browser's only open from like nine to five or something
2: oh a limit like that
1: i mean it's a little bit hard to implement but just as an idea as a kind of hypothetical idea some kind of limit it could be associated with the solar power but it could also be associated with just Yep, this is one is open if you need to get a recipe, get it during these hours. Yeah,
0: I had an idea for that actually inspired by everyone's favorite new social media, Be Real, that only oh, lets yeah. you post one, one Be Real a day. If there was, if you were permitted, like a finite number of searches. Yeah. And I know this sounds like maybe it often does on Solicine, like we're advocating for some really, like, totalitarian or <laughs> dystopian policies where people are only on some kind of, like, search stamps where you have to line up to get your three, your three searches a day. But the key point i think in the solar system is that people will will do these things themselves but for instance in the software if it was like a set number a day or a week probably a week i think that would be that would be okay it would encourage people to actually pay more attention to what they learn or what they read mm. on there and also it would discourage frivolous searches because i think that's something that's really awful about the internet or the search engines of today is that you're kind of inclined to look things up that you could that you either already know or that you could already figure out on your own, but you're yeah. too lazy to do it. So this would discourage that type of thing. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. if, let's say, you didn't have a weather app and you typed in, like, weather this morning, blah, 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 mm-hmm. it's you could kind of just gauge that yeah, in, for the most part. Or, I don't know, a math thing or a conversion of, a, of an oven temperature. There's a lot of, you know, all mm-hmm. the reasons people use the internet for small things like that. And also along those lines of, like, math and temperature, This is a bit of a personal nitpick of mine, but I don't like how Google has a built-in calculator or, like, certain responses. Mm. So, like, if you type in Tom Hanks age.
1: It just comes up. It
0: just comes up. Like, Tom Hanks sixty-eight. It's like, let me find it myself. Yeah. Stop spoon-feeding me this thing. Or Wikipedia. It has kind of a link with Wikipedia where it's like, Mm. that's specially on the right side of the page and all provides. So, it's like, stay in your lane. That's what I I think Ribbit will do. Stay in its lane.
1: There's certain countries that are regulating that now because Google doesn't pay the news outlets for that information. Mm -hmm. So it's like putting in this rule that if Google wants to use these kind of automated responses, population of Canada or whatever, they have to like pay the websites that they're getting the information from. So right now they don't. Also, two more things. One, like the Internet kind of has that built in. With the limited number of articles you can read on certain news outlets yeah, without paying. True, yeah. So that's kind of one thing that I catch myself being mindful of. Like, I'll click on a Guardian article, and it's like, okay, you have four more free articles this month. And so it makes me actually read it instead of just clicking back out.
0: You could just subscribe.
1: I know, but at the moment.
0: You're a New Yorker <laughs> girl, anyway. So
1: Not a New Yorker girl.
0: Very loyal about your <laughs> <laughs> newspaper.
1: But um, is that. And then also, I think when Chachi. G-E-P, sent the letters? No, but
0: <laughs> let it stand at that. I know the answer, of it. I think it's just a funny, so thing that you...
1: <laughs> don't know.
0: Chat GDP, is
1: it? Well, chat GDP <laughs> per, per capita is... When they first came out, I remember they had a limit of like five searches a day because it was so overrun and the server wasn't like... I don't know. It wasn't uh, robust enough for all the people that were, all of a sudden were like giving it demands and you had to yeah. pay for a... Anyway, like... it also had that no one was like upset it was just like yeah that makes sense like there's only a certain number of servers if we're all trying to look things up one and at once then it's gonna crash
0: so you ran into that problem did you
1: I still have never used it and
0: we. I mean, never will <laughs> um, my final point on Ribbit is if it had some way of visualizing maybe through like a timeline that pops up every few minutes or, or that you can toggle on and off or something how deep you are into a a browsing session because, mm-hmm. for instance, I find myself often, let's say I'm reading about a poem and I'll go to Wikipedia page or another page for that. And there's so many hyperlinks on the Wikipedia page that interest me. Yeah, I'll click one of those, read more, click one of those, read more. And so you kind of can lose yourself and are just falling down a rabbit hole rather than really reading to remember. You're just kind of reading mm-hmm. to discover, which is you know, it's okay. But I think if we had that reminder. Of, even if it just said you've been on here for 16 minutes, yeah, I feel like that would be something. I'm I'm taking a bit of guidance from like Nintendo games where they used to pop up like that on the Wii, yeah. Whereas like you've been here for a while, yeah, take a break. <laughs> I think that's
2: that's go nice.
1: outside. <laughs> um, one thing, just a f- a little tip before we move on that I do kind of along those lines is when I'm preparing for these episodes, which is when I spend the most time on the internet. I go through, I write like we have all. Two or three questions, and I open up every article that I want to read in tabs Mm -hmm. at the top of my browser. So then I see, okay, there's ten tabs open. Then as I close them, it's like the progress. But so it's kind of like I can set that for my week that those are all the things I need to read, and then once I'm done, I'm done. And like I also don't let myself open new tabs as I find them because I'm like, okay, I found. I give like kind of a skim to each of them before I deeply reading them. Just some kind of system like that is kind of useful for limiting your your rabbit holes.
0: Interesting, or your rabbit holes rather. Yeah, rabbit holes. That that that's actually that the name of the feature. It <laughs> yeah. writes itself. This stuff.
1: It really does.
0: Um, meme of the week is the my FBI agent meme.
1: Oh, okay. You know this one? Yeah, I do.
0: So it originated in 2018 on Twitter. For those who don't know or are new to so, it's seen every week this semester, because we're talking about the internet, we feature a meme of the week which we try and extract some kind of deeper meaning from. And this one, there'll be text and image, and it will say, my FBI agent when something funny. So like, Mm -hmm. my FBI agent watching me take 100 selfies only to post none of them. Yeah. And it's poking fun of the idea of digital or government surveillance and the idea that we might have something like a guardian angel watching us always through our screens, an FBI agent we've each been assigned, who is kind of becoming bored or like laughing at the silly things that we do on Mm -hmm. our devices. Yeah. And so there's kind of the obvious insight here, which is that, oh, people are making light of this dystopian surveillance when really we shouldn't have to tape up our webcams or like think that our phones are listening to us or whatever. But I think on this podcast we just kind of take it for granted that that's awful and that that shouldn't happen and that, yeah. that and that it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when people say really kind of enthusiastically, like, "Oh, the phones listen to us." I just kind of shrug. Like, like, yeah, they yeah, do. It just
1: proves it like ten times a day.
0: Yeah, it's just like okay, <laughs> whatever. It's like, don't talk me your ph- Turn your phone off. How about that? Or like, get <laughs> rid of your phone. There's, there's just, a, I don't know. I think it's it's a bit of a trite observation, but maybe a, a deeper thing with this meme. It's kind of reflects how much people perceive or it's just the case that our digital life is more prominent or more more real than our actual life because i think if you had this kind of thing going on in the 90s people were joking about each of us having a personalized government agent mm-hmm. watching us you, the picture would be of someone stalking you on the street yeah right but now it's just someone sitting on the other side of the country or the continent watching you through a screen. Because mm-hmm. apparently they can take a full enough snapshot of your life just through the way you interact with the internet or your devices. Yeah. So that's something.
1: Yeah. If it was in the nineties like my FBI gint when I get my third slushy of the day or exactly. whatever. It would be like something you actually did, not exactly. just when I closed my fifth shopping cart of the day or something like that. Yeah.
0: And the other thing that it's really quite obvious in this meme is that it points out how frivolous most of our digital activities really are because almost all the memes will be poking fun in kind of a self-deprecating way about how we essentially waste time online. You know, it's about taking selfies or mine would be like my FBI agent watching me play the 10th Blitz chess game online in a row or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's always, because it's never something like that you'd be proud of because there actually isn't that much that most people do online that they are proud of so I'm talking about. Do you have anything like like what would yours be i mean
1: i'm trying to think of what i do on the internet i look up a lot of recipes
0: yeah that's what it would be so it'd be something like 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 my fbi agent rolling his eyes when i search up gluten-free cookie recipes at (laughs) 1 (laughs) a.m
1: yeah that would be it um yeah that would definitely be mine when i look up the same recipe for like the 10th time because i still can't remember it or whatever (laughs) trolls trolls great film great film uh justin timberlake yeah shout out to him
0: (laughs) come on the show (laughs) jt
1: okay trolls i learned that trolls obviously there's the connotation of the the gremlin creature that lives in a cave or under a bridge yeah or under a bridge that's where they live but it originated from trolling as in like trolling the bottom of the sea
2: isn't that trolling yeah Okay,
1: but it like originated from that.
2: So it's uh, it got trolling, a and then bit. it
1: quickly changed into trolls. Mm. So I was like, that's kind of interesting because that kind of is what they do. They just like yeah. skim the bottom of the sea, trying to either attract people into their traps or just <laughs> dwelling on the bottom.
0: Right, bottom feeders. <laughs> um, th- we're talking about this because during the week I had an idea that we could do an episode about like rules for the internet, rules for how you can conduct yourself on the social scene internet, and it reminded me that the the first and real only rule of the internet that I know of is don't feed the trolls. Yeah. Because that's something that I feel like if we were to do a solo scene um, primer for young children before they're allowed on the internet, akin to like a driver's ed before getting a driver's license, that would be something that you do like a, a module on. Yeah. It's about like identifying trolls and mm-hmm. engaging with them or not engaging with them rather. Yeah in an emotionally mature way. So this is going to be quite a small segment, I think, because the answer for the solo scene is obvious. Like, there's no trolls in the utopia. So just some background. I had the definition of trolls, not the mythological one. It is a person who makes a deliberately offensive or provocative online post, Mm -hmm. or obviously you can use it kind of to refer to that post. Mm -hmm. That's a troll post. Yeah.
1: I didn't really know much about trolls because I avoid them at all costs or any parts of the (laughs) internet that may have them. But I did a little bit of psychological research into, like, the psychology of these people. Yeah. And the most spookish part is that a lot of trolls, based on, like, analysis of the behavior of people online, are just normal people. Like, they don't yeah. actually score really high on the dark tetrad, which I didn't know which that was. Do you know what the dark tetrad of personality traits is?
0: Machiavellian something something.
1: Yeah, it's Machiavellian sadistic, narcissistic, and psychopathy. So like people who, it was like only 4% of trolls actually score high yeah. on these things, which means they're just like yeah. villains. Well, this
0: actually might might be kind of pertinent to the etymological shift that I was talking about earlier where, where I don't like how troll has become a bit more of a common parlance thing. Like if mm-hmm. someone is just joking around now, they say, oh, some people might say in real life, like it sounds a bit of a stretch, but young people say like, Oh he's just trolling. Yeah, like, Bill definitely is. Like say that. me, I'm always just kind of like joking around and pulling tiny pranks. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, I don't know, like if you if you replace the salt with sugar. Yeah. On the on the kitchen table, it's like, "Oh, he's just trolling around." Yeah. So I don't like that. And also so the reason I say it might reflect that has become is because I think it's a bit more of a verb now than it is a noun. Mm-hmm. You know, there aren't just that 4% of trolls. Everybody kind of trolls sometimes. Mm-hmm. Every, everybody trolls.
1: Everybody trolled put that on a t-shirt yeah. But, yeah, but we don't want them to so. no that was the spookiest thing was that it's like most people who do the trolling which is often quite aggressive and just like making people upset on purpose yeah. they're just normal people who want to feel something well,
0: i was just thinking about how much of a of a pathetic waste of time it is yeah and i was kind of trying to relate back to my own experience and i talked a few weeks ago about my embarrassing uh feud i got into on reddit about something solo scene related or like screen related i don't remember exactly And I was like, well, that person could have just been trolling, right? Like they Mm -hmm. could just be saying deliberately instigating things. It could be as mild as you go on to the Dallas Cowboys Facebook page and be like, oh, this quarterback kind of sucks, huh? Because you know Mm -hmm. that people, it's like, one, that's very pathetic. But two, is it much less pathetic to kind of be baited and get genuinely frustrated or even irate Mm -hmm. about what some anonymous stranger is saying on the internet? Like that's...
1: Yeah, it's equally unfortunate that it happens, but yeah. it's kind of human nature. Like, if someone is trying to make you upset, like, it takes a lot of self-control and, like, willpower to not be upset by it. Do you think? I think so.
0: I think we're a little bit too thin-skinned. And also, we don't we don't often act, not you and I, but, like, generally speaking, we don't, we treat the internet a little bit too seriously. Yeah. Whereas it should be, like, eh, it doesn't. You know, that person's probably not real. Like my default now is like, it's probably a kid.
1: Yeah, or they're not real or If if someone in
0: real life came up to you and was like, oh, doesn't this kind of suck? Then you could have an actual conversation and you could also read their body language and their age to determine uh, whether they are earnest or not. Another thing is that this kind of raises questions, I think, about internet civility and moderation Mm. uh, and censorship. You know, like having actual moderators is what I'm talking about. So maybe we could talk about that a bit next
2: week.
1: Yeah, I think so. There's an effect called the online disinhibition effect, which just means, yeah, everybody, even if they're not kids, is just much more likely to have no inhibitions when they're posting online. Yeah, because like, it's not real. Yeah, because it's not real. But it does, because we're on to so much feel, so deeply real. Trolls are often overtly political as well. They're not always, yeah. but it's a very common tactic used mainly on the alt-right, but there's also people on the left who do it. A famous example used in a few articles and books that I saw about trolls was this person who was in his mid-40s. He had just been through a divorce, just been diagnosed with like a really severe disease and was just going through it. like Life was just throwing punches kind of thing. And he made a fake Twitter account as a fake senator. I think he was pretending to be a a right-wing senator in in the united states okay and he was trying to get back at people on the left so he was like sparking debate with like hillary clinton and like these pretty prominent left-wing figures and they were like getting into full full full-on arguments with him on twitter and it's like but he was (laughs) it was fake like he said that he was like the senator of a certain district that just like doesn't even exist. So it's like it doesn't even take that much of, time to <laughs>
0: One of the other reasons why the Internet is a poor place for political discourse. We can talk about that in a future episode as well. On the example of like a more collective famous incident of trolling, I suppose, or at least something adjacent. I've always been thinking about in twenty sixteen, the UK did some kind of like public internet poll to name their new Cutting-edge science boat that we are mm-hmm. collecting data, and the answer that won, you know, the new name for it that won by a massive distance was "Boaty McBoatface." Yeah, and now there's kind of I looked it up. This it's kind of being coined as an effect. It's like mm-hmm. the McBoatface effect or m- McBoat facing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It can loosely be be dis- be defined. I saw on the internet as the critical mistake of letting the internet decide things. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously that anonymity. And trolling that we we already identified combined with the collective like desire to kind of just not watch the world burn, but like Yeah. Make fun of things entirely.
1: Yeah, the internet just feels like any initiative ever enacted in a high school when it's like, we're gonna get everyone to like draw a picture and we'll make a mural and they're just all pictures of like explicit images or whatever, and it's like, well, that was a yeah. great idea. <laughs> so I think in the solo
0: scene, obviously, people will be a bit more emotionally mature. They'll be happier. They'll believe in things more. Like, you would genuinely be excited. Like, oh, that's a really cool new boat. Yeah. Like, there would actually be that. Yeah. It wouldn't be like, new boat. <laughs> Let's call it something ridiculous. It's like, take it seriously. Yeah. More emotionally mature. One, not to do the trolling. Two, not to get baited by the trolls. And also, they just value their time more. I think that's yeah. the main thing. It's like, what are you doing on Twitter?
1: Yeah, like, it's not going to bring you any joy. Like It'll bring you very, very quick dopamine release or whatever. I also learned one more thing about trolls when I was doing my research, which I found interesting. I don't know if it's fully true, but it was a theory that trolls are kind of an attempt to keep the internet, in air quotes, for the boys kind of thing. Mm. In 2011, there was something called Gamergate, which I didn't know about, but it was kind of people getting upset about girls becoming gamers. And I feel like trolls kind of to an extent, have that of trying to gatekeep the internet as a place for these kind of hardcore techie people. And I mean, that's kind of a far-fetched theory, yeah. but it does slightly feel like if anyone posts something naive or something earnest online, it immediately gets trolled. Yeah. And I feel like it might be even subconsciously a way to get to kind of keep those people away because they don't like their influence.
0: Yeah. So there probably is a gendered element to it also but i just think on a broader sense it is a people think it's the the purest manifesting of populism
2: Mm. of the
0: you know not just for the boys but for the for the common folk for the average folk i think Mm -hmm. that's how people certainly politically if you look at like where memes are often directed and where they come from it's it's an us against the elite type dynamic whether the elite be whoever built their british boats or whether it be Fox News or whether it be cnn it's us against the establishment. And people don't like the internet maybe becoming establishment or something. Net mm-hmm. neutrality, that's another thing that's that's in here somewhere. We could talk about that next week, maybe
1: okay. so as well. Yeah.
0: On to the third and final question today, which is about forgotbusters. So you introduced the term last week and just generally the idea of the internet's quick cultural change and what that means for the zeitgeist, if such a word is even relevant today but i had a quote which i thought was just quite funny because it came out and did the rounds just in the last week from tarantino about netflix original streaming films specifically he called out the the ryan reynolds um things let's just call them like uh, red notice i think is the name of one of them or there's another one the adam project was that one
1: i don't know yeah, you could put any combo of words you like the silver bullet
0: it's true the werewolf <laughs> film um, and he just said those movies don't exist in zeitgeist. It's almost like they don't even exist. That was a fuller quote, but I thought that was the, the most concise way of uh, yeah of quoting him for the episode. And that had a neat kind of ring to it, wherein him obviously talking about talking as a director who's made movies that people really, really talk about, or you know, every time a new one comes out, this idea that maybe culturally. And that's speaking of films more as like cultural artifacts and artistic ones, you know, popular film that is, they don't, it's kind of like if the tree falls in the forest and no one's to hear it, you know what I mean? Except it's maybe more about remembering.
1: Yeah. I think what he's getting at to an extent, especially with the Netflix example, is that in the 80s, there used to be a lot of blockbusters. Yeah. And this is where the term "forgotbuster" kind of originated was in the 70s, 80s. Because there'd be these things and everybody would go see them, but then we'd kind of forget about them in two or three years. Mm. But even then, like, we still could list them. Like, I think for uh, the most part, you could list probably a lot of things that, like, were blockbusters, but we don't really talk about too much anymore. Yeah. But then with Netflix, there's so much to focus on, but we only... We have the same amount of time to split our focus. Mm. So it's like, yeah, you can be just genuinely excited about something. But then because... An even better movie comes out, or one of equal excitement comes out within the week, you have to move on. And an assessment of trends says that, like, yeah, there's the same amount of trends, if not more, but we adopt them quicker and drop them quicker. So they don't actually have the staying power. Whereas it's like trends used to be like, yeah, we'd adopt them, we'd keep them for some time, and a then season, drop let's them. Say, yeah, like exactly. A year. That's
0: so last summer, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something to that. It's almost like as soon as something becomes recognized, it, it's passe. I don't know. Yeah. But I do think there's an extent to which people, maybe even us on this podcast, exaggerate a little bit the how new this phenomena is and the fragmentation of the zeitgeist, let's say. I, I mean, things have obviously accelerated and are still accelerating. Mm-hmm. But when you look at all the, like, let's say, not the most acclaimed, but the best-selling books of from 1900 to 1990 each year, or, or even the best highest grossing film, they are often kind of consigned to forgotbusters, I guess. Like they're often, they don't last very long. They don't stick around very long. Yeah. So I do think that there's an, there's an element of that. And I also think when people compare, let's say post-internet, today's culture to when things were a bit more zeitgeisty and we would all move on to something together and we'd all watch this together and then talk about this together, at the water cooler or through the radio or through the newspapers. That's definitely true that things are more fragmented today and we can kind of choose our own culture and it isn't very geographic-based. And, you mm. know, we talked about this a lot on the semester. But it's not that it's not that new a thing because I think, obviously, if we compare it to, say, the 1980s, this is quite different and a lot less communal and a lot less probably healthy. But if you compare it to, like, the 1880s or something, they weren't all like everyone in the country wasn't talking about the same thing, yeah or for, for most of human history there that is.
1: Mm. So that's it, a really good point. Yeah. It was just kind of something that happened for like fifty to 100 years. Yeah I
0: obviously there's a big difference between that being a local culture like it was in the 1800s to being a yeah. a culture entirely divorced of of a place like it is today. but
1: yeah, I think that's kind of it's come full circle in that in the 1800s we were still seeking out like cultural experiences to share. But now we don't really seek them out because there's this fear that they're going to be dropped before we can even adopt them. But I feel like in the 1800s, there was no fear. Like if there was a trend kind of going around town of what kind of hat to wear, you could, for the most part, buy it and like be good for a few years. And I mean, that's still even in the 1800s, 1700s, wasn't fully true because the elite didn't intentionally turn over trends really quickly so that it couldn't be disseminated but i mean just within like common people yeah it was a bit more acceptable to like be late to a trend kind of and just like accept it but now there's a fear to even i feel like we're all hipsters in that sense of like being afraid to adopt any trend because it's going to be dropped it's
0: a lot worse than standing out also but i also think central to this is just the increased self-awareness that the the internet has given us and maybe Mm -hmm. even vanity so like if we're talking about clothes obviously we'll do kind of a whole semester about fashion at some point in the future but I feel like when it comes to the cyclical nature of nostalgia and fashion trends, people have become so kind of self aware about that that everyone could tell you, like, oh, it's usually on a 20 to 30 year cycle. Like, young people are talking about this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so, for instance, when we see an attempt at something like an early 2000s revival or like making that into a trend, and I, I use that word attempt like deliberately, it feels very self self self-conscious a choice as in like well now it's time to do this yeah i mean like it doesn't feel as organic as let's say previous nostalgia um or you know the cyclical nature of trends has done and also on that note i think it's really interesting that we seem to be clinging on so much not just in clothes but just in the general zeitgeist to the 70s 80s and 90s to a lesser extent and it's maybe staying on a bit longer than things like that usually do yeah and i think a big part of this is it's just a general romance for pre-internet times yeah, like I think even so. i think the really the only outlier to the whole like forget forgotbusters concept and that of the internet consigning more of these things to irrelevancy and you know not making an imprint on the zeitgeist are the marvel movies right mm. and something really interesting about those is that they don't really have much that sets them in today's day. Like, you don't really see many of the, the characters on their smartphones or, or things like this.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. They're just kind of, like, neutral.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they, they will be dateable, but I think there's a lot less of an instinct or a desire to, let's say, capture what's happening today on film. Mm. I don't
1: know. No, I think that's super true because it people who made movies kind of in the earlier days of film, we're kind of like proud of what was going on. It's like, we're going to talk about our triumph in the war. We're going to talk about this really cool new technology or our vision for the future. Yeah. But now it's kind of like, we're going to talk about all those old things that we used Mm. to do, but not really about what people are doing. And when films are made that are really authentic set in today's time, perhaps about like family issues or about climate change, there's kind of, they're not widely well, yeah, enjoyed there's always
0: been kind of the, the highbrow more niche stuff that, yeah that kind of escapes this but i think blockbusters that's why that's such a yeah. key conversation and also talking about them i've been thinking recently a bit about what i'll just loosely call the deadpool effects i don't know if that's actually a term but wherein the media let's call it that doesn't really want you to take it seriously and therefore doesn't really want you to remember it it kind mm-hmm. of always comes with a wink like well, this doesn't really matter. Yeah. And I think I say that because in Deadpool, that's, I think, the best example of it. But also it leaked into a lot of the other Marvel movies or just a lot of the other blockbusters that, that happen today. And so it's not so much that I think quality has decreased in in big blockbusters in, I'd say, like from two decades ago to now. Although I think it has, but I don't think that's the main thing. I think it's that they don't often present themselves fully seriously. Mm. So for instance, you'll have like, Many many attempts at a heartfelt moment or like a reconciliation or even a dramatic moment, and so often the character just comes in and says, "Well, that was awkward," or yeah. something, and it's like, just tell the story. Yeah. And so I think that's that's quite relevant. Like, I just finished watching a movie called Stargate from the '90s, which wasn't a great movie, but it was a blockbuster, and I was just struck by the fact that it presented itself utterly self-seriously. There was mm-hmm. really one gag, which was that the main character sneezed at sometimes inopportune times yeah. but it was and that was that kind of stood out as quite a modern thing but for the most part it was like there's melodrama the characters act kind of emotionally like they're all there Mm -hmm. i mean present in the time and so maybe we could actually talk about this what the i know this is a bit all over the place but maybe next week we could also talk about how the internet and that i'd say deadpool effect has changed our own emotions or Mm -hmm. the way that we react to things in real life
1: that's a good point i think another thing that's common in movies is when somebody dies because of like for example the james bond or those types of movies it's like he's dead but is he Mm. and it's like he's never actually dead like when characters die or when something like really serious happens like maybe they're converted to a bad guy or whatever yeah of course there's just like no stakes and like they don't even want you to think there's stakes it's just kind of like
0: yeah, yeah we, it'll be back we're, we're we have a, a bit more of that media literacy now, where we don't really take things at face value, which yeah. is probably to our detriment as as viewers. Yeah, um, and also there's obviously been the the comic book effect, where it's like no one ever stays dead in comic books.
1: Yeah, so. I have a quote to close us out. Trends can only reach critical mass if the masses are not too critical. Thanks for listening.
0: Bye.